Hello, I'm Carrick MacDonald, and this is Halfway to Borough, the Two Towns local history show on Cam Glen Radio. In this first of a two-part programme, we hear an interview by my Cam Glen Radio colleague, Kat Gibson, with local author Dorothy Connor. It was recorded in October 2018, as Rutherglen and Cambus Lang prepared to mark the centenary of the end of World War I. Dorothy talks to Kat about her forthcoming book, which tells the remarkable story of her family, from the outbreak of the First World War to the present day. But first, Dorothy begins by talking about some of the poetry of the Great War. Um, lots of World War I poetry, Wilfred Owen's well-known Vera Britain. Um, people can look these up. There's a website called Poem Hunter, where you can actually have them read to you. Um, the poems that I like the best are For the Fallen, there's in Flanders Fields and, of course, Vera Britton, <clears throat> who talk about the women and all the losses that they had. Um, they lost all their men. And Vera Britton wrote uh, the books uh, Testament of Youth mm-hmm. and Testament of Experience and a beautiful poem called Perhaps. She was a student at Oxford and uh, she left the university to volunteer as a VAD, a nurse on the front line, and um, she lost her fiancé and her brother and two of her best friends. And the poem, perhaps, is beautiful because it talks about will she ever be able to love again. She does love again and she does marry. And her daughter was um, Shirley Williams, the uh, SDP MP. I think she then became a dame. So, um, Baroness, wasn't she? I'm not sure. sure. A peer, I think, um, for the uh, Liberal Democrats, um, uh, Social Democratic Mm. Party. Yes, so um, it amazes me. I mean, my own grandpa that was in uh, with the Irish Guards at the Somme, he wrote a beautiful poem as well for his wife. And um, amazing that they can actually find these words in amongst all the hell that they went through. I wanted to tell you about um, my forthcoming book, and it's called um, Our Everyday Heroes. And it was supposed to be out round about now. However, the printer that I always use went into liquidation, but I have found another one, however... This is a blessing in disguise because I've been able, I'm going to add a couple of more chapters, bringing it right back up to date. So it's a story, a true story. It's about a farm labourer and a cook from Dublin, a miner from Dumfries and a laundry worker from Cambus Lang. How did their lives intertwine in Rutherland during and after both world wars? It's a story stretching from 1914 uh, to the present day about ordinary people living extraordinary lives in uh, extraordinary times. Now, my grandpa Valentine Connor uh, came over from Dublin in 1914 with his wife-to-be Dorothy O'Brien and they came to work in the world-famous Caledonian pottery. Now, her sister and his brother were already here and they were already married and they lived in Mitchell Street and Mitchell Street was to the left of what is now Poundland with Woolworths. It's no longer there, but there was, I believe, quite a large Irish community there. They then moved to Regent Street and Regent Street was to the right of the chapel and um, just along opposite the uh, the town hall. So he came to work there and uh, they married and they had a daughter, Cathy. And in 1916, they had a son, Valentine. He was born with uh, spina bifida. And then, of course, conscription came in and didn't come in until 1916. So he uh, was Private 7926 of the Irish Guards and he was very severely wounded in action at the Somme. Um, I have his war record on paper. I didn't look any of this up on computer. It was in the family. I have his commanding officer has written a report to say a good man, very severely wounded in action. 
I wrote his story. It was in the Reformer in a centre spread in 2014. And what overwhelmed me was really, you know, that stretcher bearers must have gone out to, to pick him up because, you know, when he was brought back, he was treated at some field hospital, he was patched up. He had um, a gunshot wound to his right um, hip and he always walked uh, with a limp and he was still receiving treatment at the military hospital in Edinburgh in 1947 on the day that my mum and dad um, got engaged. So uh, despite all of that, he wasn't actually discharged until July in 1918. And I cannot imagine what um, my granny Dorothy must have felt in, in the company, of course, of thousands, millions of others, um, to hear that news when she had this two-year-old uh, daughter and, and a baby son. Uh, let's hope that she had the support of um, her sister and brother-in-law, but I think he was too old to go. They had no family. So let's hope that she had um, their support. But nevertheless, he did. Uh, he was one of the very lucky ones, and he did come home. And he worked, he continued to work as a labourer at the Caledonian Pottery till it closed in 1928. And he then worked at the infamous White's Chemical Works, um, infamous because they still left a legacy of chromium waste all over um, Rutherglen. Heavy, hard work and still um, having to deal with um, these injuries. Um, my dad was born in 1919, so if he hadn't been picked up by stretcher bearers, treated by medics mm-hmm. and nurses... He wouldn't have been born, I wouldn't have been here. Two other sons followed. Um, one died in infancy and um, a daughter. And in 19... Uh, remember, I just wanted to say this because it's just occurred to me, most working men, working class men during uh, the First World War didn't have the vote. I mean, we talk about how women... No, that's right. Some mm-hmm. women just got the vote um, in 1918. 1918. before women, all women got it. Um, most working class men didn't have the vote. It was only in 1918 of the Representation of People Act that um, men got the vote. I think that's often forgotten. They, they, had, they could die for their country, but they had no right to have any say in their own country and how it uh, was run. So, as I say, he worked at the um, infamous White's Chemical Works and um, in 1930 his wife Dorothy died, um, leaving behind this um, quite young uh, family. And then a year or so later he watched his sons go away. Um, His eldest son, Valentine, called after himself. Um, Despite having spina bifida, he couldn't go to active service, but he was sent down to Ayrshire to work as a surface colliery worker in Ayrshire. And um, my dad was uh, sent to Burma and away for six years. Thankfully, he came back uh, safe and sound too. And his other son, Eddie, joined uh, the Royal Navy. And... When he retired at 65, um, he still carried on working, despite always walking with this limp and uh, still having treatment 30 years later. I mean, we don't realise that this didn't just all stop on the 11th of the 11th, you know, this went on. And um, he worked as a corporation gardener at Bankhead Paddling Pond in Rutherglen, which I used to play in as a wee Mm -hmm. girl. Uh, My brother remembers him and my cousin Eddie remembers him. And uh, he used to, when he was, he, he was, uh, he had cancer later on. And there was no effective pain relief at that time. So he used to sing all the Irish songs at the top of his voice and taught my brother all the songs. His favourite was I'll Take You Home Again, Kathleen. His eldest daughter, Cathy, was um, the one that my dad wrote all the, story, the, the letters home from Burma. And she moved uh, down, down to London during the war and worked for road transport. And then she basically stayed down there and married um, down there. 
I'm Carrick MacDonald, and you're listening to Halfway to Borough, the two towns local history show on Cam Glen Radio. In this programme, Kat Gibson is talking to local author Dorothy Connor about her forthcoming book, Our Everyday Heroes. About my granny, uh, Dorothy, that I'm named after, I don't know much about her except that she was a cook in a in a big store in Dublin um, where the girls had to stay in there. The girls coming up from the country to work in this big store, I stayed in the hostel and she was the cook um, for the girls in the hostel. Um, and she was well known in the street for being a wonderful uh, cook and baker and, and always being um, there to, to cook for people. Of course, during the First World War, there was rationing, there was deprivation. Um, children had, to, I mean, children could, it was only just increased the school leaving age from 12 to 14. So, I mean, um, children had to do their part. The Boy Scouts did things, the guides had to do things and the mothers and had to try and uh, deal with, with rationing mm-hmm. and they're not knowing whether their, their loved ones were ever... Um, coming back um, at the same time um, across the main street um, and round the corner to Victoria Street where the station is um, were my other grandparents uh, James and Ellen Kelly we've talked on here before people might remember about the football girls and uh, in 19, my mum was born in 1917 and she was taken as a babe in arms by Mrs Dobie, a neighbour, an elderly lady that lived in number 23. She was taken as a babe in arms to the Bray overlooking the railway. It's still there, exactly the same um, to wave to the troop trains, taking local main, men away to fight in the First World War. For many, of course, this would be the last glimpse of home, an old lady and a ba- holding a baby, you know, the old and the young and and uh, hope that they would that they would um, come back. And my grandpa, James Kelly, he would be 40, 42 at that point, so too old to go away. But he, um, during the war, he ran a music hall. By, by the way, my, my grandpa, Connor, wrote this beautiful poetry, and these would be not men that were particularly educated, you know, working men. My grandpa, uh, Kelly, was a miner from Dumfries, came up to work in Canvas Line. He met my granny, who worked in the Richmond Park Laundry, and she uh, was also from a mining family and her father was already dead. We don't know whether he was killed in the pits or whatever. But um, he, somehow or other he got onto the music hall and he had an act with a performing dog and his eldest daughter is... No, he's not... Yeah, his daughter Margaret was a, a lady comedian and he had he wrote patriotic... I've still got these. He's got, he wrote patriotic songs and patriotic poems and at times he shared the stage with um, the great uh, Sir Harry Lauder. And Sir Harry Lauder was originally a miner from Lanarkshire too. And he um, he lost his son John in the First World War, and the song "Keep Right On to the End of the Road" is actually written uh, for his son John. Raised huge amounts um, to help um, ex-servicemen and their families during the war, and then, of course, in the twenties, my grandpa and granny ran the uh, Rutherglen uh, Ladies Football Team, and they raised huge amounts for the Lest We Forget. They ran dances in the town hall. They had the, t- the takings from the football matches, and. Um, in a quirk of fate, my dad, I remember my dad telling me that his father um, was offered, people came to the door and offered him uh, some funds, you know, being an ex-serviceman, but uh, he refused as a proud man. My dad said they were never poor because his father always worked and he worked with these injuries that, oh, I mean, I can't think there would be anyone really that would be unscathed that would come back. But they were never poor. Poor by today's standards, no doubt, but they had a roof over their head, food in their belly and clothes in their backs, so they mm-hmm. weren't poor. And um, funnily enough, 
in the 19th, I mean, then, of course, following the First World War, we've got the Depression, we've got the um, the Hungry Thirties. And my, grand, my mum remembered the back street, back court singers. Men used to come round the back courts, and there was one that was a particularly beautiful singer, and they would sing, and the women would throw out a couple of pennies, whatever they could afford, but my granny used to bring them in and give them a plate of soup, and people would just share whatever they had, you know, they would share it. And um, so in nineteen thirty. Seven or thirty-eight. My mum was working the cosmetics counter counter in Woolworths in the main street, and this is a very strange story about how my mum went. Remember going to the doors round the doors with her mother when she was a wee girl in the twenties, selling poppies door to door. She also remembered um, going with her to give out um, money to people, and when she was twenty-one, she worked in the cosmetics counter at Woolworths in the main street. And many years later, she remembers this encounter with a tall, slim, very Irish woman, smartly dressed, who wanted to buy some rouge for her cheeks. And my mum always had a high colour, so she said to her, she was very glamorous, very blonde and glamorous, and she said to her, what colour do you, what do you use? And she said, well, this is one, this bourgeois rouge. I've still got that little cardboard box with this bourgeois rouge. And uh, she said, well, I don't need it, but if I'm going to the dancing, you know, I put it on. This woman was to be, unknown to her, ten years later she was going to marry her son. Mm. By which time my granny, of course, my dad, we think now that she was ill and she wanted to look a bit healthier for her family and put this colour into her cheeks. And um, after my mum and dad were married, he saw this little box of bourgeois rouge. on. I was going to say dressing table, they didn't have anything as luxurious as a dressing table tall boy probably. And he said he remembered his mother had, had that. We had no pictures of her. I have one picture now. They had no pictures of her and he described her and that was the woman um, that she had met in in Woolworths. Um, so the the way that, of course, my dad was away in Burma during the war and he came back and they lived, the Kellys lived at one side of the main street, at Victoria Street, and the, the Connors lived at the other side of the main street, um, just along from the chapel, but they never met. And 1947, um, by another quirk of fate that the two families got together, Next door to the Kelly family at number 21 uh, Victoria Street where it was a woman called Annie Hunt and her family and they and Bobby Hunt and they uh, were actually my dad's cousins and the Kelly's Hogmanay party was the place, to, the place to be and of course there's tall dark handsome man just back from the war, you know the war hero and they took it, Bobby Hunt his cousin's, his cousin's husband took him round to um, the Kelly's Hogmanay party and there was my mum with her boyfriend of 11 years well he snaffled her from right under his, his nose and um, actually in 2015 the son of that family Robert Hunt saw the article that I wrote for the Daily Record about my dad and got in touch with me so and went he went to the library and he saw the exhibition and bought the book and um so he got in touch with me so that was that was not actually seen him yet but we have actually spoken on the phone so it's like there's a hand that's saying it's coming it's all coming together you know it's quite a small town but you know for all of these coincidences to take place I'm Carrick MacDonald and you've been listening to Halfway to Borough, the two towns' local history show on Cam Glen Radio. Many thanks to local author Dorothy Connor, who was talking to Cat Gibson. Dorothy mentioned in the programme the Rutherland Ladies football team. Cat did an interview with Dorothy about this on 13 September 2017 in one of her Cat's Cream programmes. You can hear this via the Listen Again page on the Cam Glen Radio website. The music was by Sugar Nifty. I hope you enjoyed this programme. 
and that you can join us next time when Dorothy tells us more about her book Our Everyday Heroes, which Dorothy hopes to see published later this year. She also shares with us some of her writings and poetry about those who went to war and the people they left behind. Until then, thanks for listening. Radio is an amazing medium. It can inspire, entertain, inform and connect people. This station, Cam Glen Radio, is run by a dedicated, passionate and committed team of volunteers and you can be one of those volunteers too. It doesn't matter if you're an experienced broadcaster or if you've never set foot in a studio in your life. We provide all the training and support that you need to do what you want to do. And it's a great way of making new social connections, learning new skills, expanding on your CV and just having loads of fun. So to find out more about volunteering with Cam Glen Radio, just email volunteering at healthynhappy.org.uk. You are listening to Press Pause on Cam Glen Radio. This is a programme that focuses on nature sounds to promote relaxation and mindfulness. For the next half an hour, you will hear the sounds of the River Teeth and Calendar.
Yeah.